Y'all know me, Phil B, Eternal Dirtles Legacy. Hated by these Netdex bandless and those Hasbros Watsi. Nate G, real OG. Arklet and Mavericky. Cradled out the Heron's host, so give no about Lily V. Zach C, Berserker Dude. Pulls the rug on your attitude. Days then waste trick, flip this Delva. Swing for three with some altitude. Got bruise? We do. Metagame breakdown info too. Listen up, cause here's the show where we stack our decks like spicy news. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Nathan Gully and Phil Blackman. How's it going, guys? Great. You sound like you just woke up from a nap. Uh, I did, yeah. <laughs> Phil, what oh, were man. you doing this oh, afternoon? Man. Woke up from a nap. Time to be wizards. Phil, what were you doing this afternoon? Uh, I was actually driving back from SEG, King of Prussia. Oh, really? I thought you, I thought you got called into work. The same you know, so I came back early thinking that I was going to be called into work. And then all of the subways in Queens are down, so they're way slower than they thought. So oh, they didn't need me. Super well, fun. Happy... I just <laughs> yeah. realized this is, this is my last St. Patrick's Day in Utah. This is the only day I enjoy living in Utah because it's just not a mess like it is everywhere else on Earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I, uh, I was out all weekend and then went to a friend's place. Uh, so I took the train system in and there were all sorts of. People dressed in green and stuff, and I was just like, "Oh my God, please get me out of Manhattan immediately." <laughs> yeah, right. I um, we went to the planetarium and then went grocery shopping, and there were people, like a couple people wearing green, but no one, you know, inebriated and slurring their words. Um, well, you know, we never talked about guys. We never talked about the Syracuse results last week, and they were pretty interesting. Um, and they led to a really interesting conversation that Phil wanted to have on the show. So I'm just going to run through our top eight here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I know a lot of the other podcasts have covered this, but so we'll just make it real fast. But uh, in first place, uh, Blue Red Delver, piloted by Rich Kelly, uh, was the winner. Um, he beat David Long, was playing Blue Green Depth, or Black Green Depths, I should say, Golgari Depths. Um, third place, Blue Black Red Reanimator, Jonathan Castagna. Fourth place, Blue White Delver. Sorry, I'm, I'm translating the guild names in real time here. Blue White Delver, Harlan Fire. Uh, fifth place, Blue Red Delver, Austin Collins. Sixth place, Grixis Control, Alexander Beebe. Seventh place, Mono Red Prison, Jordan Goodwin. Eighth place, Miracles, Aiden Breyer. And Phil, you came back and said. I said that there is a double standard between. What Deathrite Shaman got before it got banned, which was it is ubiquitous in the format and you you have to be playing it and there's just too many uh, types of decks that it goes in versus Delver, where you have every flavor of Delver that exists. <laughs> Excuse me. So, Including three in the top eight here. Three in the top place. eight. There's, there's infinite different flavors of Delver in terms of color combination. Uh, in terms of how much burn or how much counter magic or how like what other shells do you want to pair it with, and uh, I think we could delve into no pun intended, uh, talking about what I believe to be that double standard, uh, because you have Grixis Delver, Azorius Delver, Rug Delver, Bug Delver, Blue Red Delver, Death uh, Shadow Delver, yeah, Blue Black right. Delver, which is Death Shadow. Yeah, and it was funny because you were texting us this rant. As I was being excoriated in the Phoenix Discord for playing Delver in Phoenix, even though 
I'm well above 500 with the arrangement, and I can't really say whether I don't even know whether or not it's good because the Phoenix combo itself is so um, powerful. Yeah, <laughs> but it was funny because you're like Delver's everywhere, and like, and, and I'm like getting that alert, and then the other alerts coming in are like, "You're a moron! What are you doing? <laughs> Why are you playing Delver?" And I thought it was an interesting. It's interesting that you thought that. Um, because it is something that was on sort of on display at this particular Syracuse event, but then kind of went away almost as fast as it showed up. I haven't seen the blue-white Delver Stoneblade deck, you know, much since this this event online or anything like that. So, um, Zach, what was your thought? I mean, I uh, with... I, I agree that Delver is out there, but I, I I don't know. This is the healthiest I've seen the meta in a long time, and I just don't think that like it's not like. Where if you were playing black or green, you definitely were playing Deathrite Shaman, right? Like if you're playing blue, you're not definitely playing uh, Delver of Secrets. Like the only what, the what only decks the that didn't deck? play. There, there, there was no green deck during that time, though. Well, there was elves. Yeah, but look, that's different. true. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with you that like green green is an underpowered color in in Legacy. What I, what I'm saying is that I don't think that this is to the level. Uh, that Deathrite Shaman was because it could literally mi- minus what Storm it could slot into every other deck. I mean, the greenest deck in Legacy that's not Elves is what Infect. Yeah, depth probably. It's depth. The answer is depth. Remember, we went over this with crop rotation. It's the most played crop rotation. Card, is the most yeah. played green card in Legacy. Um, uh, just looking through again this top. I think there's uh there's the depths deck and the next deck that plays green is four color phoenix with the four land grants yeah, sure that's yeah yeah and I, I, I mean th- yeah there's no argument that like green I and mean, that's not even what we're talking about but like there's no argument that green is the probably the most underpowered color in this format right now uh, well i mean I, does I, anybody disagree with me on that <laughs> it is definitely underpowered it's something that i've had a problem with but I think that what we where I wanted to take this discussion mm-hmm. is to sort of un, un, we, we did this we've done this uh, show a couple times where you sort of like say like how do you feel do you like it what's going on right now can you live with it can you not live with it what's what's bugging you and so many insane plays did a really interesting podcast about vintage actually it was when they did the they were talking about the London Mulligan and this sort of became like an ancillary topic that they were going through but it was the concept of a unbalanced mat- metagame versus a polarized metagame. And the definition was that the unbalanced metagame has one to two dominant decks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a good example, I think, would be like a cob- the Cawblade standard um, and maybe the uh, blue-red Delver, uh, the Treasure Cruise Delver. Yeah, era, I think like, if, you, if you add, add up the, the percentage of those decks and it's over... Uh, like 30%, That's that pretty much makes it kind of a busted meta. Right. There's that, and then the other side of that is the polarized meta, where there are more viable decks in that, but but the, the games between them are very polarized in one direction or the other. And in, in the reference to current vintage, that's the paradoxical, um, paradoxical dredge, workshops, Xerox, sort of, and then survival sort of as an offshoot of dredge, as a bizarre deck that could have like pretty busted openers. Um, but like these decks, the games aren't, the games are pretty, you kind of can figure out who's winning, right? Pretty fast. Yeah. And I think that what happened with Deathrite Shaman 
as a lot of people pointed out, that it was that the Grixis and Grixis Delver and Four Color Control decks were far outpacing the field, right? And I don't, and I'm not even going to argue with that, right? I have no argument with that. They certainly were. Now that that's happened, we have a flatter field, but I think we have more of a polarized metagame where the games are over in the first couple turns. There's a, there's a pretty definite direction of where the game's going to be going, and you sort of know who's got the right tools to interact on which axis, right? Um, and I think Delver Delver's ubiquity is a part of that because I think right now you want to be proactive, you want to be attacking quickly, and there's nothing better than a bolt every turn. And whether you also want to play Stoneforge Mystic or Lightning Bolt or Death Shadow or whatever, Delver is just your best thing at getting under if that's what you want to do. Otherwise, you're probably playing, looking at these other decks in the top eight, Depths, Reanimator, Mono Red Prison, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got your, you know, a couple of control decks that that stick their nose in Grixis and Miracles. But that was a bit. That was where I. That's where I started going, and uh, was wondering what you guys thought about that concept, and if you think that's sort of what you guys, whether you agree or not, with with that assessment of what the metagame is. Yeah, I mean, I think. I, I mean, honestly, like looking at this, the the Syracuse. Uh, metagame for the top eight. I'm like, yeah, this looks pretty much like what I what I think an ideal metagame looks like, anyhow. Well, the the difference that happened with it's interesting because when Deathrite went, the thing that happened was the format actually sped up. So even though they got we everybody lost their mana dork, the format actually sped up rather than slow down, and the bands that they've made. So when they got rid of top, when they got rid of death, right, all those cards that they got rid of were all cards that were slowing the format down. Because if you went into a tournament, you're, you said, OK, I need to be prepared to deal with counterbalance. I need to be prepared to deal with death, right? And that incentivized the format to slow down because you knew that you were going to have to battle against those cards and you didn't want to just be cold to counterbalance so you had to play cards that could deal with counterbalance which slowed the format down yeah same thing with death right where it's like unless i was trying to com- combo you out and didn't care about death right a lot of combos care about the graveyard so they needed a way to interact with death right and so that means that you if i play death right and then you deal with death right we just play an additional turn cycle yeah and i think i think the main difference is that like death right might slow the format down but it sped up the slower decks um, if that makes sense, and then and then top is is its own thing. Like that just made a valve strategy out of out of what is what has really only been the real like legit control deck that I've seen in the format. Like Grixis control is really like a mid range deck. It doesn't feel so, like a control deck. Yeah. Well, you're tapping out every turn with Grixis control. Yeah. You know, ideally, there's no there's no counter spell in it other than Force of Will, which you don't which you play when you tap out. Um, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that yeah, and I think that there's there's and I've got to be honest, like Brian Cook and um, I think it was Anurag and Wilson Hunter are on their new podcast, and I finally heard because Brian and I have had discussions in the past about you know why one of us thinks the the meta is healthy or not or whether we're satisfied, and I finally understood where he was coming from, which was I'm happy with this set of decks being good, and I just I think this is enough. I don't need more variety. And someone like me might say, well, I, I kind of want a little bit more variety, which, you know, is hard to quantify how much more variety and what does it look like, right? In Vintage, I think, 
the discussions have been going on in vintage right recently, there's even less variety because there's really, you know, these four to four and a half, you know, viable decks if you count survival among these other four pillars. But, um, you know, in Legacy, there's still, there, there are still more, I guess I would say there's more choices you would feel better with than there was a couple months ago. And I can see why people are fine now, you know? The my issue with when I was talk, when I like Delver has all of these shells that the I, it's interesting when you say polarized format because the thing that that made me think of in the debate over Delver is the like the difference between games that happen like let's say you're playing Delver yep the polarization between whether or not you win or lose the die roll is the difference between you ever getting to play a spell versus a Delver just running away with the game. Because if you win the die roll, Delver punishes the player who lost the die roll so badly because the waste days Delver shell is just so backbreaking when you're on the draw. Yep. Versus when you're on the play that just straight up, those are polarizing games. If you, if I play turn one land go and you go turn one Delver, I get to then play a spell and then, like kill it through days and through a waste, right? Because you haven't you haven't had a turn to waste me out yet. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's one of those things where I like maybe maybe that's like aside from the fact that like Delver can just be paired with any color combination that you want because he's he's so incidentally free because just the way that the format is structured, the cost to play Delver like this deck this card cares about instants and sorceries in your deck yeah. is. Like not a deck building restriction. Yeah, legacy lives on like, the stack. Like we, it lives yeah. on the stack, but also we see that one of the decks that people are playing Delver in is Azorius Delver, which has both Planeswalkers and artifacts in it, and it still doesn't deter people from playing it. Yeah, and twenty-seven like, people from playing it to having good results too. Sorry, uh, where, let's look at the one twenty-four the, cards that flip Delver in that deck. Yeah, so like you're playing a your card that, like, aside from like getting a chance to like set it up with brainstorm or ponder. You're just saying, okay, when I play it on turn one, I am actually, like, percentage-wise to lose the flip for it to turn over. Right, and what I was telling, and, and the, the funny thing was in the Phoenix Discord, when I was having this discussion, people were saying, well, Delver's so weak, and you're not playing days to protect it. I said, well, who cares? Like, if I play it, I've got 31 ways to flip it in that deck. And, you know, if they kill it, fine, I've traded one for one. It's just an extra thought season. and now I can combo off. You know, and then I get a bunch of phoenixes into play, or I play a dark confidant and recoup, and then they've used their they've used their um, removal on my Delver earlier. Like it's just the getting something down on turn one is good. And you know what? The, the and I will say this: I gotta be honest. I said it. You know, every every time was like I like Delver because it blocks Delver, and that sounds a, uh, suspiciously like the best counter to Deathrite is itself. Because one of the ways that the Phoenix deck lost to Delver was they played a Delver, and then you tried to, like, cast a two-mana threat, whether it's Young Pyromancer or Dark Confidant or Ritual Buried Alive spell, which requires two mana, and they dazed, spell-pierced, wastelanded you, and attacked for three every turn. Well, at least with Delver, I get a basic island into play, I can sit back on it, I can attack with it if they don't do anything. If they flip a Delver, I just block it, and I've traded one for one in the deck with no removal. So it, it's, it is interesting in that way that there's nothing that gets in, there's nothing that really beats it as a one drop right now. And I mean, that was the, the problem with death, right? In a way 
was similar, right? There's nothing else you really wanted to do at one mana except for Delver. Like, Deathrite was sucking up so much of that air. And now it's like Delver or what? What's Delver like 75%, then maybe Noble Hierarch or Mother of Runes or... Well, the difference between those one drops and Delver is Delver is the only one that closes a game by itself. And the the, the ways that you can trade with Delver, there is the, the only cards that could theoretically see play ever that can trade with Delver favorably are if you were to gut shot it before it flips or snuff it out. There's no other way to trade with a Delver that has not been countered in a way that's favorable on mana. You either have to go even on mana and like try and get that through, you know, like the threats are better than answers, right? Right. Or you are going to have to trade down on mana in some capacity it's not like there is no other threat aside that like can kill you as fast like the only other like one drop that's like i am playing this as an aggro threat i guess would be something like um uh zach uh nimble mongoose yeah i mean nimble mongoose is a one one until you hit threshold so there's still like a couple of turn cycles before it just you know becomes a six turn clock well i mean this is why i played infect for so long because i can drop a one a turn one threat that way right and that's a turn one threat that incentivizes you to have like it constricts you into playing certain cards into your deck that only work with that one one that has a mechanic on it you know like delver's just like no play play the good cards that you want to play yeah there's no deck building restriction with delver well there's yes there's no there's no functional deck building restriction with delver and i think that but I, I think that I, I, I liked what you had to say. I didn't I think I still feel that Delver as a card is easy is easy enough to deal with and is a is is not a great top deck in the late game. Um really? I feel like Delver is just like one of the twelve threats that these decks will play that if you play it in the late game, you know, if the a deck that doesn't really ever need to go past three mana anyway, that's just like your one mana threat that you can then protect because you have additional mana that then is just going to be a three power attacker in the air. Yeah. You know, I um, mean, like there, obviously there's going to be times where like Delver doesn't flip, you know, there's those percentage of times, but like, if you think of every time you were to draw Delver, it's just, here's my three, two attacker in the air. Right. Which the majority of time it will be. And the synergy with the, the library manipulation has to, oh, you're probably going to flip it within two turns. Yeah, I, but, like, the idea that if you were to draw, like, you know, let's say it's turn six, and you draw a 3-2 flyer off the top of your deck for one mana, like, that's still very good, right? Oh, yeah, it's better than drawing, what, what would you draw back in the day? Jackal Pup? Well, it's like the difference between <laughs> yeah. the, all of the other one mana threats that you could play, whether it's Nimble Mongoose, Terramander, Tassiger, or Gurmag, all of those cards, they're not just, like wow, this is a clock that's going to kill me. I, I, like, this is now, like, it's turn one. I haven't had a turn. This is a pressing, pressing danger that I need to remove from the table. Right. And right? that was doesn't come down until a couple of turns. You feel like, maybe if you're aggro angling, you can get it down on turn two. But if you're aggro angling, you're do, you're putting cards in your deck to get to that point, right? It's a, it's a deck building restriction. Yeah. I'm not, I don't get to turn two angler if I'm not playing, like, Thought Scour, which, that, you know, with other with other cantrips in the in the format that are way better than than Thoughtscour, that's a deck building constriction that you're putting on yourself. Right. Um, I I will say that's the was another one of my points. Like, well, look, you know, this thing does six damage. Let's say this thing only does six, right? You know, now my opponent's at fourteen. 
and my goal is to like attack them for nine in a turn. You know, like that's that's really chipping away at the clock. You know, and, if, I mean, and, if you were just like, let's say you were playing traded you, for a card, you're playing your Delver deck, and your Delver, for, more often than not, for a good percentage of times, assuming that you you know you're you're winning and losing the die roll a good uh, an equal amount of time. How? What is the percentage that Delver is exactly that? It's one mana, deal six, they discard a card, and spend a mana. Yeah. So one mana, tap their land, threat. discard a card, deal six. How good is that? Yeah, I mean, good enough well, to play well, in a burn deck. But it's also like, the <laughs> other comparison why. that it has to Deathrite is there is no other card that it competes against. Right. If you want like the one mana aggressive threat. The only other thing that that I guess would compete with it as like a very aggressive threat would be something along the lines of uh, Wild Nakatl, but Wild Nakatl is on the ground. I think the the I main mean, difference, but building construction. I think the main difference between these two cards is uh, honestly uh, like the the real difference. The reason why like uh, the argument for like oh just bolt the Delver, where whereas like oh just Fatal Push or bolt the um, Deathrite Shaman doesn't work. Because Deathrite Shaman doesn't get into situations where like it has to put itself in danger. It doesn't have. It didn't ever have to attack. You know, yep. uh, it, it couldn't be blocked because it wasn't. You know, like the only way you can really block it is like having another Deathrite Shaman on the board. Well, so, I think that that's an interesting point because it gets to the question of like, well, what qualifies as homogenizing deck construction? You know, and I think the reason I think that Deathrite Shaman which was a two color card, which, you know, which did matter, you know, like, you know, there were, there were, there were decks that could play this because they played forest and not swamp. Um, you know, it had like a little bit of like, Oh, I'm going to just jam this in my, in this, with this other deck that's probably subpar and I can get away with it. Delver doesn't really let you do that. You can't play Delver. At, well, I mean, who knows, but you can't play Delver in a deck with like, for example, 30 creatures like you could with, you know, with uh, Deathrite Shaman, which was in, you know, could be a Maverick or whatever. Um, so, so, but what happens is, like, some percentage of that fair share, fair metagame share, goes to, you know, unfair decks. And you end up, and what's the best thing to do against an unfair deck? Get the clock down. And what's the best clock? Delver. And then you see how you sort of go around in circles a little bit. You yeah. know? And the, I, 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 the, the, what, the other axis that because Delver is evasive, is that there is no card that if they go turn one Delver, assume that it's a coin flip, it's going to flip at a coin flip unless they do, you know, some shenanigans like brainstorm in their upkeep or something. But assuming that there's a coin flip to flip, there is no one mana card that you can play to block. You either have a removal spell or you're just going to get punched in the face by it. Yeah, like scribe sprites, but I know what you mean. Um, you know, like, like there's like the axis of okay, what's a way to interact with Delver if if they've if they play it on one, blocking is not one of them. You don't nope. get to block. There's there's no card that will let you block until you've cast a two mana spell. No, at least not in a trade. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. If if you're blocking to go down a card, that's that that that's pointless, right? Well, I I definitely um I definitely see that. I I don't I don't know. I'd like to keep. I, I think we'll keep an eye on it. I think we'll see because like I said, I don't feel like I've seen. This blue-white deck, which I think really was the the thing that made it 
you know, that major point for you. Cause like, suddenly it's like, Oh, Stone Forge Mystic is back because we play Delver, you know? I'm not saying that Delver is as powerful or more powerful than death, right? It is clearly not. I'm saying that the play patterns that were generated when you played against Deathrite or Delver are very similar, even though there are different play patterns. When you played a Deathrite, suddenly you were like, well, the game is now going to become about this Deathrite. Either they get way ahead if I can't deal with it, or I have to play my own Deathrite to be a parody, yep. or I'm just going to fall behind, or I can kill it, right? Yeah. Where with Delver, the second they play Delver, the game becomes about not dying to that Delver. And they get to play a protect the queen strategy, and your entire focus has to be: I'm either playing a combo deck and trying to go faster than the Delver, or, and you know, I'm just gonna that's gonna be my clock, or I have to now care about this Delver in a way where my entire play pattern has to be caring about this one mana threat. Right, and, and, that, and that impacts everything from your land choice on your and your first turn play, you know. Where because it, yeah, it, yeah, if if like a, a deck goes turn one vile or turn one mom or turn one. Uh, mana dork like yes you have to care about those things but aside from being like well i may not necessarily be dead on turn two i will be able to play games where when you're playing against the shell that's delver it's like okay here's a, a, a six mana clock or six mana a six turn clock like assuming nothing else happens in the game and now i know that the the shell that i'm going to go up against is the protect the queen Yep. And Delver is a it exploits the power of all of these other cards like Days and Pierce and Wasteland that I don't know. I feel like the play pattern of Delver, it it feels as though it is a variety of uh, patterns that you see because it's in all of these different decks. But the actual turn one play de play Delver and then protect it is the same across every deck. The follow ups after it's been dealt with, after it's dealt you six. Yes, those vary by, you know. Do I want to play TNN or do I want to play Stoneforge Mystic or do I want to play Tarmogoyf or do I want to play Death Shadow? Like those things all change, sure. But the actual replayability, like the play pattern of Delver is super redundant. And it's weird to me that it hasn't gotten the same flack <laughs> for that that Deathrite did because people were sick of Deathrite because it was like interacting with them where Delver isn't interacting with you. It's just like the other spells around it are interacting with you and Delver's just the one that's killing you. Well, I think... I think that's really a good point, and I would just point to the, I, your example. I think the only other example I would that uh, I think and stands up to Delver is Aether Vial. You know, once you see an Aether Vial come down, the game's about the Aether Vial. You know, um, but the difference is, I guess it's not killing you immediately from that turn. You know, I I and I'm remiss to say it, but to defend. Uh, uh, Phil's point. Also, there is no better feeling than a late deck uh, Aether Vial on, uh, on the stack from the other player. Yeah. I think nothing... <laughs> you know what? It's it's funny, actually. And here's actually another another way to illustrate how good Delver is compared to other one-drops. When you're when you're playing against an Aether Vial deck and, they, and their first turn is Aether Vial and you're like, damn it. And then you do something and then their second turn is Aether Vial. You're like, sweet. Yeah. Go ahead. It's not that it's bad in multiples, but it's not very threatening in multiples. If there's because if a second turn less... play after a first turn play Delver is a second turn play Delver, you'd feel very different about it than you do Aether Vial. Than you Aether Vial, right? Because you're like, <laughs> okay, they've gone down four cards and none of them are you know, they haven't put a creature in for free yet. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, if you have a double uh, if you have a double Delver draw, like that's just a three turn clock. I I did the I did a turn one double Delver 
off the lotus petal in Phoenix. <laughs> and you know what? It was did really it, awesome. Did it flip? They both flipped, and then I just attacked until my opponent made a merit lage, and then I blocked it with one of them and attacked the other and won. So, yeah, I uh, I definitely uh, no. I, I think that it's it's interesting. I I I really really wish we had something that could have competed in that space. Like you know, I guess Lackey. Like lackeys like that, but it's still again, it's so deck building constrictive. And it's that deck building constrictive, and to... it's also a one one on the ground. Like there's the difference between it being evasive versus it being like, okay, well, if you play a lackey, and then you know that like a lackey deck isn't playing days. So if you're <laughs> yeah. just like, okay, run out my run out this mother of runes, and then they're like, okay, attack with my lackey, well, you get to interact. Yeah, I will say that, like, could you imagine Volcanic Island Lackey? Like, just do it oh. for fun, Goblins players. You know, what's the worst that could happen? No Blue Goblins? <laughs> I think there is a Blue Goblin, right? There probably is a Blue Goblin, and a, but could you imagine Goblins with Daze? Like, sure. Daze is a, Daze is a, really, uh, Daze is a really tilting card. Well, I think I, we... I, I th- it, essentially, like, the, the, the crux of my argument when I was... When I was saying... I think that there's a double standard from Delver to Deathrite is all of the complaints that people made about Deathrite are the same arguments you could make about Delver. And yet none of it sees the light of day because I think, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I, I just think it's not, it's not quite ubiquitous enough, which we talked about at the end of the last show, how Delver is about 20% and Deathrite was, was closer to 40%. And I think that's all it comes down to. I think that people think there's, enough decks now there's enough different decks and even if 20 percent of them play delver it's not the same as 40 percent of them playing death rate which oh and, and when, that's that's the but that's one of the things that i think is is, uh, is somewhat misconstrued is that even though it's it's 20 percent of decks and there's a variety of decks the play pattern of those decks is the same in the first three turns of the game yeah i wonder if that's could be said about the death rate decks i, I don't know it's hard because the, there are so many other busted cards that surround these, that surround, you know, the one drops that it's hard to say for sure. It's one of those one drops where the play patterns are the same in those early turns, and it also exacerbates how bad it is to be on the draw. Yeah. Uh, I did, uh, by the way, uh, doing a little research in the background here, there are five, six, uh, six blue goblins. Really? Yep. One's a merfolk goblin. Razorfin Goblin? Yeah, Razorfin Goblin. Uh, we've got Steamhopper, which is a 1-1 uh, uh, flyer. Like, if you tap one mana. You've got uh, our friend Goblin Electromancer. Obviously, we know about that one. Ooh, that's right. Ooh, um, Goblin Electromancer, so good. Goblin Test Pilot. That's the one that deals damage, two damage to a random target chosen, which is a lot of friggin' fun and uh, limited in your LGS, let me tell you. Uh... <laughs> Because there's just no good way to shuffle everything on the board that can be targeted. Uh, Plus the two players. You can't yeah, shuffle them. Yeah, it's so hard. Uh, and then there's a Flectomancer. You can change the targets of an instant <laughs> sorcery. Flectomancer. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and then uh, uh, Mizix the Ismagus. Uh, classic uh, spell-based commander. Um, but yeah, no, no, no playable goblins uh, in blue. 
Well, I think that's a good place to, to pause this discussion, yeah. but I'm really glad you brought it up, Phil. I think that uh, I think it's really interesting to think about. And I think we'll let's see. Let's see. Let's see if people get sick of the turn one Delver. Like they got sick of the turn one death rate. Wonder what it would take. 30% or something, you know. But maybe there's too much of a ceiling because the Delver deck itself is so polarized. Let me tell you something, brother. You're here listening to this Eternal Dirtles podcast, but what you need to do is go over to Eternal Dirtles Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Eternal Dirtles, and show your support, brother. Yeah. What else do you want to talk about? We've got about 10 minutes here, right? I mean, I wanted to, to quickly discuss when you were pulling out uh, Phoenix before, one of the, like, the big stories from Syracuse was... Phoenix was starting to see a bunch of play and people are still exploring that deck. I mean, there was the four color version, the regular, the the original version that's like Dark Confidant and Pyromancer, and then um, McKay's version, which was more of a storm deck that was just playing the Buried Alive Arclight package. Uh, but something that uh, was seem, seeming to be a consensus was uh, a lot of the people that played Phoenix said that a lot of, uh, it, it was a tough deck to, like it was winning sometimes, but they had to do a lot of work to like get those wins uh, that the deck was way more fragile and exploitable than uh, initially thought when it looked on paper. Cause it just looked, it looked like an insane clock and uh, it was fast out the gate. It had a ton of disruption, um, but it's actually very fragile. And I was really enamored with uh, Doug McKay's version. That was essentially just the storm deck with the arc lights, arc light package in it. Um, and it was it was clever too because he was like I'm playing the arc light package and slots are tight, so he was playing the four buried alive, but then he was only playing three arc light because like I don't need this fourth arc light because my goal is to just put nine power into play because that's what buried alive allows me to do. So he was able yeah. to save a, an action slot by cutting the fourth arc light, which is just like really clever when you're like when you understand what your deck wants to do and you're trying to just streamline and have the cleanest build. Uh, well, but it, it, it made yeah. me curious. Where do you guys think the next iteration or the next uh, tech in Phoenix is going to go? People have tested now land grant storm, essentially playing like a fair aggro combo deck. Uh, you were trying it in Delver. I mean, is it is it just one of those things where it's really just going to be flavor of choice, or do you think that there's a, eventually going to be a, a a consensus on this is the best build of Phoenix? Well, a couple of things. One is that I wasn't playing Phoenix and Delver. I was playing Delver and Phoenix. Where right, right. That's right. I'm, I'm very, like, you no, no, you had I'm a different iteration. Yeah, yeah. I just said, like, man, I think we could just play Delver as our secondary threat, and this is a different kind of Delver deck that's more like the burn focus rather than the uh, counter focus. Um, I think uh, the, the four-color deck has caught a lot of people's attention, and a lot of people are giving it a shot. This deck plays four land grant. And if you really think about it, you know, when you think about free spells, now that probe is banned, you're you're actually you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. Uh and and land grant is one of them. Yeah, land grant is literally the bottom of the barrel. I don't think we can go any further down. Well, there's I mean, like rows. But like um <laughs> Land Grant's a ritual. Land Grant is sure. interesting. It's it's one of the hardest cards to play because you reveal your hand, right? And this deck doesn't have the Buried Alive combo. Instead, it has four Entomb, four Thought Scour, four Careful Study, and then some other sort of graveyard-based um, 
interactions, including uh, Bloodgast. Bloodgast with Land Grant is pretty good because you can always have a land to trigger it if it's in the graveyard. Um, Bloodgast with Cabal Therapy and a couple of Fetchlands is also excellent. Um, but, you know, I've been playing the four-color deck, David Razka, who I believe uh, lives in Rochester. Uh, so shout out to uh, the 585. Um, and I, it's it's almost it's almost harder to play than the Grixis deck, and you don't get that satisfaction of just whacking people upside the head with nine. You know? So it's kind of hard to tell. I think a lot of us, uh, Callum, uh, once Callum started really playing the Buried Alive combo with Dark Ritual, really were just like, yeah, this is just an awesome thing to do that probably wins the game on the spot. Um, because most people can't aren't going to say, like, yeah, I got a way to deal with this in two turns, you know, um, and then win. Well, I've been playing the four-color Phoenix deck, and, you know, best-case scenario is, like, turn one, careful study, drop two of them. Turn two, like, Thoughtseize, Cabal Therapy, Land Grant, you know, and then you attack for six, and that's less than, uh, that's less than nine. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, but I do think Phoenix, in this, in this spell-based format, has a lot of legs, and I, I don't really, so to speak, and um, I still think the Grixis Phoenix deck is the most focused version, but we're, we're still, it seems like a lot of the players, and myself included, are still figuring out what the right ratio is post-board to having the combo in. Um, whereas with this four-color deck, I don't think you can cut any of it, because you don't really have anything else going on. Except for Thing in the Ice. Blood gas on its own is just not going to cut it most times. Do you think that there's going to eventually just be a the a, the blue red port from Modern? I just was watching that deck on the Star City stream while we were waiting to get started, and it just wins out of nowhere, right? Like, is there a way? To, do you do you think people like? It's weird to me that people haven't just been like, "Well, this is the deck in Modern. What if we just give the the clear legacy upgrades to a bunch of the cards, and then?" play that version like that version hasn't seen any light of day i don't know if people have already tested that version and then found that it was actually underpowered or something like that but if you were just on you know yeah clearly you make the upgrades on the cantrips and then you still have all of the red cards that you're playing and then you just get things like force i don't know if i don't know if the deck can afford force but if you're in more blue cards like if you're still in the market for thought scour and terramander like those are all legacy playables uh, i'm looking at a version now that's not still as buried alive um there there have been there was a there were a few blue red players who tried thought scouring it i, I don't think thought scour is a very good card though i just don't see the point <laughs> i also think one of the things i found the four color phoenix deck is that i feel like thought scour and careful study are actually even though they're both like i'm gonna dump my cards in the graveyard they're kind of different plans whereas thought scour is like thought scour incentivizes you to put stuff into your deck that has graveyard synergy, uh, but and I mean I guess they both do, but like stuff that's like if you blind hit it, it's just like random value. Uh, whereas careful study can be sort of gamed a little bit more. You know, you can pick and you can choose to cast it at a different time, right? Um, so you don't have to, or you don't have to jam it out there. But sometimes thought scout, you're looking at the thought scout, like I guess I got to cast this. Um, I don't think they're like this, they're the same kind of card, like. Um, you know, a careful study. I don't think careful study is the same kind of card. Um, whereas the, the, all the cantrips and the Grixis, Spirit Alive deck are all the same kind of card. Brainstorm, Ponder, Preordain, you kind of all know what you're doing there. Um, so I think that's where the, some of the, the question is. Like, if, I, if I'm if i playing Thought Scour, 
like, you know, what do I, what else do I want? You know, do I want like more delve? Do I want like delve threats? You know, well, I guess I the question to... becomes is, do you think that there is going to be, do you think there's, there's room for a Phoenix deck to be as good as the ones that we've seen so far that a shoe black, which means that you're giving up buried alive to just streamline and just, you're just playing arc lights as, a, as, as one of your free threats that your deck is good at enabling rather than being like, okay, I'm trying to disrupt you to then pay off buried alive. I think the thing is is not so much like getting rid of Barry Live is is it's getting rid of Dark Ritual, right? Like the Dark Ritual is the is is the thing that really gets the deck going. Like if you were able to have a Dark Ritual in blue or red, you would just ca- careful study intuition, you know, uh, faithless hooding your way to the thing. But you do, you just don't have that. Uh, you have Rite of Flame. True. Right you of could flame try also... Rite of Flame. Um, yeah, Rite of Flame, Manamorphose, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Manamorphos is another one of those cards that I just don't see a lot of upside to it. I'd rather just have Lotus Petal, you know? Like, I guess... Um, and I, I'm not, this is not to, by the way, I think David is a, is a great player. And his deck, he knew what he was doing, and he got to where he did, which was a top 20 finish. If not a top 16, I don't have the exact thing, because he did well. And I think, But I think that, like, yes, as the deck's refining, these are the cards that I see being targeted as being taken out. Manamorphos, Thought Scour, or Careful Study, because maybe you just change what you want to do. Um, and the, the other thing is like one of the things about Phoenix, you got to cast three spells in a turn. So force of will, like a fort force, which forces, which which you play on their turn and takes another card out of your hand that you could cast on your turn, is not the greatest card for this kind of deck. But you need to play. But it's also like sometimes it's nice to have force of will. So I have uh, the ver- uh, a hot take about this deck. Uh, however, okay. I don't think that we'll be talking about this deck in three months. You think it's going to fade out? I think this deck was great for its time because people didn't know about it. And now that everyone knows about it, like, look at, look at like this, the price of, uh, surgical extraction spiked in regards to this deck. Uh, you know, like stuff like that. People are aware of what this deck is doing and now they're ready for it. And it's going to be one of those things where like, you see like a doomsday deck in, in like three months. You're like, Oh, that's cute. I remember when that was a thing. <laughs> That's funny. Well, you know, Doomsday is, by the way, a transformational sideboard for this. Um, <laughs> oh, wow, dude. There you See, go. Classic that's, example. That's... It's, it, Doomsday <laughs> Here's is so, tech, it's so not a deck that it's actually 15 cards in another deck. Here's <laughs> the tech. You ready? All right. You go Doomsday, and you have a, a Tome Scour effect in your deck. So you go uh, Dark Rit- You go Land Petal, Dark Ritual, doomsday stack your deck to be uh doesn't matter a card and your four phoenixes and then play your tome scour and then you put 12 power into play we found it got him and then and then you do 12 damage to your opponent and he passes and you draw a card and you and draw nothing yeah. <laughs> oh you just need to uh attack on your upkeep no i know um or maybe oh, no that doesn't work I, there's been so many interesting I will say this. People are trying different stuff. I think yeah. that. Uh, I, think I mean, that's I'm not hating on the deck at all. I just think that that now that we know about it, it's a known quantity. It, it's it's less effective. Oh, I'll say this though. I'm the worst at running my phoenixes into surgical extraction, recently especially. It's been like, oh, they've got one card in hand. What are the chances? Oh. <laughs> you know, but what can you do? That's how it works. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, by the way, uh, that, did you get my City of Solitude tech? 
which I like. Can't surgical men. Oh Maybe yeah, that's City a good Solitude. Or like the you could play, the you could play like Silence or Abeyance. Yeah. Well, I have thought about that. I've I've thought about going back to the Mardu version and using Silence and Abeyance as part of my, you know, spell chain, having yeah. that in there. Um, or playing the Esper version with Mentor, like Silence again is a thing you can do. You just uh, play but, old school Epic Storm with uh, Gemstone Mines and Silences and Orum's Chance with your Phoenixes. Yeah. Unfortunately, the problem is that the uh, mana is terrible. But yeah. And you could also just, you know, do what happened to me at, at a side event once and get a Bance and just put like Snapcaster Rage in your deck and go a Bance, Snap a Bance on their turn so they don't do anything. And then you just attack with your Snapcaster Mage and maybe your Phoenixes. I don't know. I, uh, I, but I, I do, I, I, I think Phoenix is so powerful that it can beat a surgical extraction. And it's actually pretty compact in a way. Not as compact as Delver, but, but, you know, more explosive. But, um, so I don't think I don't think it's going away. I think people are gonna be. I'm gonna keep working on it. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. The, the also major difference there is that like the constriction that you actually like, even though both Delver and Phoenix care about instants and sorceries, is it gives you an actual condition that you need to meet as opposed to just a mana. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we have to get off in a minute. So, is there anything we wanted to say to wrap up for the week? I mean, Bill, uh, you said you I'm did well with your effect. Definitely after uh, after Syracuse, at least for a while. <laughs> Bill, you just you said you did well at a side event at Philadelphia with the uh, with Esper Mentor. Yeah. So cool. I I ran back, uh, you know, old reliable Esper Mentor in a challenge, uh, crushed the challenge, uh, and I, instead of there, there was the Esper Mentor deck that uh, uh, deck deck uh, Esper Mentor deck that won MKM. Mm-hmm. And it was playing, it was like, it was essentially like old four color control. It just took out the red and put in white for mentors and source flashers. Yep. I was doing something similar to that, except instead of playing hymns, so I, instead of playing Thought Seas and hymns, I was playing Thought Seas, Cabal Therapies, and then I slashed the uh, shell, or the not the shell, the package of Jace Counterbalance from Miracles. Uh-huh. So you're, you have your opening sequences of. Uh, I'm disrupting you with this card. Uh, I run out uh, Strix to try and hold down the board, or I try and get into a position where I can go Mentor plus Spell. And then my long game is I can also play the Miracles long game of Jace plus Counterbalance. Yeah. Um, which I liked a lot more than just trying to hin you into obli- Oblivion because it removed the point in the game where if you top deck your discard and they're Hellbent, and you're just looking for action, it's just a dead card, where Counterbalance is now just a card that can take over the game. I guess I had to dust off my Counterbalances if I didn't trade them in for something. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I found the deck to be really interesting. I was a couple of cards off. Like, I need to, to go back and tune yeah. it more. Um, the card that I was really excited to get into that build would will be Cabal Therapist when yeah. that card comes out, because that's just the redundancy that we need. I'm really but, excited for Modern Horizons. I think there's going to be like a, a serious shift in the meta uh, after that, after that set comes out, if they do it right, if they do it right, yeah. I, I did want to also give a quick shout out to uh, Jason Aldrich who uh, joined us on Patreon just recently. Thank you so much. Um, yes, thank you, Jason. And uh, also, uh, it, it, it's it's a pie in the sky thing, but I added a new goal on our Patreon. Uh, it's it's uh, it's going to be uh, eventually we're going to be able to put up uh, YouTube video like YouTube videos uh, or at least post it, post this cast to YouTube. I'm still figuring that stuff out, so we're working on that. Um, we did just get up on uh, 
uh, Spotify. So that's a, that's a thing too. So if you uh, use Spotify to listen to podcasts, we're we're there as well now. Yep. Great. All I right. love Spotify. So there you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people do as well. All I use for my music at this point. Got a couple. Got a couple good shows coming up next couple of weeks too, guys. So uh, stay tuned. Awesome. And new intro, right? New intros. Yes, there'll be a new intro this week. I mean, they'll have heard it then. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Have a good night, guys. Have a good night, guys. Where does he get those wonderful toys?